Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. If you've been listening for a while, you are aware that we have no ads and we have no sponsors. We rely entirely on you. We rely on the Patreon model for people to pay it forward, keep the mics on, the conversations like the one you're about to hear happening. It's not a one-way street. There's tons of additional content all available right now on that Patreon feed. It's at the top of the podcast you're listening to now. So why not do me a favor while you're listening, click that link and join us for a month. Try it out. Throw us the price of a cup of coffee in the scone and think about it as your bit of monthly activism. We always say it's more than a podcast platform. It is activism. We are activists first and foremost and you'll be helping support that in the simplest way possible. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. Thanks for everybody who likes and shares and recommends. But please do join us. It makes all the difference. I'm going to stop rabbiting on. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves and we are back as promised, folks. We've been covering events obviously within the irish economy since we started martin we talked about tax haven ireland how effective it is we see in the last number of days that we're boasting about this huge surplus we're going to have like 26 26 billion billion. we're going to have this huge surplus nowhere else in in the eu is going to have this germany's running a deficit germany the the fiscally prudent germany's running a deficit the irish tax haven is a huge miracle it was joe pina from the portuguese government called the uh, the irish miracle a little bit tongue-in-cheek as we know um and but so much of it is done on uh how do i put this what we call the the old waffle pipes martin but there's huge connections globally and while we're having this conversation today is we are joined delighted to be joined by richard brooks who's the climate finance director with stand.earth richard it's great to talk to you how are you keeping great thanks for having me today no i really appreciate you taking the time because i want to specifically talk about the financial institutions that are helping fund fossil fuels uh, and finance for fossil fuel finance Specifically, maybe in this case, we'll focus on Citibank because, you know, I'm sitting probably, what, about three kilometers, Martin, from their European Yeah, yeah. And Citibank has a big presence in Dublin, has had a big presence in Dublin for a very long time. See, you say a big presence. I wouldn't call them a big employer, but there's a lot of money coming through compared to per head of... Richard... You might give us a kind of overall view on on the the the, the first of all on the global financing of fossil fuels and a little bit then a bit about Citibank and we'll ask some questions. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there was a big report that just came out a few weeks ago called the Banking on Climate Chaos Report, and this is a report that annually compiles how much money the sixty largest banks in the world are putting into fossil fuel companies. Uh, we know that fossil fuel companies are the the biggest problem that we face right now. They are the ones that are the largest emitters of greenhouse gases in the world. They are really the ones who are driving up uh, temperature rise uh, everywhere on the planet. And every single uh, um, you know square kilometer of the planet is facing the consequences of that. It's not something far off into the future. We're we're seeing extreme weather hitting virtually every country on the planet, from fires to floods to droughts uh, to sea level rise. It's costing people billions and billions of dollars or euros um, or pounds, uh, depending on your currency. Um, and uh, it's often um, uh, black, indigenous, and poor communities who are facing the brunt of, uh, of those costs, of uh, weathering the extreme weather um, and then also having to uh, suffer through the rebuilding process as well. You know, it was just a few months ago that we saw 
uh, half of Pakistan and go underwater, mm-hmm. they're still uh, trying to recover from that. And that is directly related to fossil fuel companies increasing emissions uh, 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 climate pollution. And the, their ability to do so is because they are in cahoots with these big banks, including Citibank, who continue to pump literally tens of billions of dollars every year into these companies. Uh, last year alone, um, Citibank uh, put more than $34 billion into fossil fuel companies. And $34 billion from... from $34 billion. And, 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 and Citibank is only the second largest uh, company uh, bank doing this, aren't they? They they are they are and and since since the Paris Climate Agreement was signed that kind of uh, very important agreement that was signed back in 2016, Citibank has put uh, more than 333 billion dollars into fossil fuel companies. Uh, this is at a time when we need to be ramping down, phasing down financing of fossil fuel companies, and radically, drastically phasing up financing of climate solutions like renewables. We need more wind turbines. We need more solar power. We need more efficiency programs. We need to be reducing our emissions, not increasing our emissions. So Citibank and and their and their ilk are really stepping on the accelerator in the wrong direction when we need to be heading in reverse. Can I ask a, a, the obvious question? It's obviously there's a profit motive there, and with with the profit motive. It flies in the face of the idea now of these institutions of because we're all they're all at it now with a bit of greenwashing that they're doing now saying you know we have this now this new model now like this there's a bank down the road that will say we'll give you half a percent off your uh, off your mortgage if you go with it with a green uh, a green mortgage and, and 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 yet we know that they're involved in these things so so in terms of the the image of these companies and and the, and the business that are supporting them is. Are the public just not aware that this is that, that this is what this is greenwashing, or are they just simply saying, "Well, gosh, look, the, the banks are all banks are evil, and off they go." Well, it's it's hard it's hard not to feel pessimistic about it because you know the banks um, they are very powerful. They control their financial systems globally. Um, they are continuously getting bailed out when they get into trouble, as we've seen over the last ten to fifteen years. Don't we know it? financial crises um uh, so they seem to be they have a lot of political influence um they certainly don't like regulation and they're very focused on short-term profits and over the last year it has been profitable to be financing or investing in oil and gas companies but that's because of a massive war in ukraine it's really war profiteering um, that the banks are doing and certainly the oil and gas companies are doing um, and I think what we need to see is we need to see greater awareness amongst the public, realizing where those who are most responsible for this extreme weather, for wars like the war in Ukraine, uh, where they sit. And they sit on, you know, they sit in on the corner of our, our main streets. Um, they're the banks. They're the ones who are driving this kind of chaos and destruction. And we need to hold them accountable. And that means putting pressure on them directly. Um, using our bank accounts, using our mortgages, using our investments if you're invested in the bank, and then also pushing government to step in and regulate and regulate on behalf of the people, not regulate on behalf of the banks. There is some danger of, and I know the focus is very much on, and as you mentioned, the war, and the focus is very much in that direction, but the Amazon is getting devastated by, literally, by the, the, the actions and funding of Citigroup. And there is a real chance of some uh, reputational damage 
to the bank and um, for what they're doing to the to the Amazon. Can we make that reputational damage stick, Richard? I think we can. And, you know, the banks um, have really been, including City, have really been ramping up a lot of their PR, a lot of their greenwashing, putting a lot of money into marketing campaigns to sell themselves as sustainable, doing right by the environment. Um, and that's a, that's a reaction to the increasing awareness amongst their customers, amongst their shareholders, amongst the public, that they are responsible for destruction of the Amazon. They are responsible for um, driving these extreme weather events. Citibank is the largest um, financier of Amazon oil production in the world. Um, they are one of the largest financiers of coal production and coal mining in the world. At this time, when we need to be basically kicking coal to the curb and getting in the ground. out of coal as very as fast as possible, keeping coal in the ground, City's been stepping in with new loans, new underwriting, and more and more money into coal companies. It's and it's 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 like it's a vast area that has oil concessions uh, of the Amazon. It was three million hectares. I mean, that's a massive, massive area. And then you go to Peru. And they're spending $1.3 or $1.3 in Peru in the same kind of nonsense. That, that scale of devastation, how much longer can the planet take that nonsense, Richard? Yeah, what's, 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 what's uh, doubly sad about this, um, these investments in oil production that Citibank is, um, is financing is that once you, you build a road to get in to do oil exploration, it opens up vast areas of the Amazon to further development. So converting the forests uh, from from standing tropical forests into grazing land for cattle or uh, farmland for soy production. And so there's a cumulative effect of this money that's going into oil production in the Amazon that city's doing. It's 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 really devastating. And this is the these are the lungs of our of the planet. There are, you know, obviously a biodiversity hotspot. Um, but they are also the the oxygen that we breathe around the world in part comes from the Amazon. And when you disrupt the Amazon ecosystem, you're disrupting uh, the global climate at the same time. I just, on, uh, I need to bring it back domestically, if you don't mind, Richard. So indulge me for a little while. So in November, the Irish government decided to write off to the European Commission and say, look, we, we would very much like an, an exemption to be excluded from the EU sustainability, uh, 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 corporate sustainability pact, specifically for finance. Right. <laughs> and people, you'd be scratching your head going, why would finance want a, a, an exemption for our, for uh, sustainability goals? All they are are banks and they push, you know, they're pushing buttons on, on screens. But it's clearly that's why. Because these people are licensed in the city of Dublin. Citibank may not have a high street presence that you go in and you you know you, you get your current account or you get your your checkbook or whatever the, the credit card. They don't have that, but they are based here with it with it with a banking license and they're and they're using Ireland to do that. And that is one of the reasons we are looking for we are looking for that exemption. And you mentioned coal, and Martin, we go back to what is it? Must be four or five years ago, um, when we uh, we had Ava Chomsky sitting in this room where I am here. And she talked about the Serahan mine and the yeah. damage it was doing in Colombia. And the owner of that is also about four kilometers that way that's in right. Dublin that's city right. center. Uh, because, uh, you know, so, so if city are financing coal, the company that are probably helping finance is probably only a kilometer away in the same, in the same bloody, you could throw a rock and you, and hit a finance, a fuel, a fossil fuel financing or fossil fuel company in Dublin city center. 
when we don't have a mine anywhere, really. You know, Richard, it's just staggering. And then to make matters worse, City alone. I looked at this, uh, according to Paul Murphy submitted a parliamentary question. Uh, Citibank have have received nearly 10 million in, in funding from the IDA, which is our, um, which is supposed to be bringing business here. Richard, can you tell me, does Citibank need extra funding or are they doing okay themselves? I, I think they're doing okay. They don't need, they don't need extra funding. And so they don't need taxpayer money, no? No, I, I could say that um, with 100% confidence, they do not need taxpayer money. Um, they, you know, they're making their money, money hand over fist, but they're making it off of the, you know, destruction and they're making it off things that are uh, violating indigenous rights. Uh, these projects like the Enbridge Line 3 tar sands um, pipeline project, a very controversial uh, pipeline project um, that was being built through Canada and into the United States over much uh, opposition from indigenous communities who have rights to their land and to, and say over what goes on their uh, traditional territory. And city was actually paying for the police to enforce um, the, uh, the the construction of this uh, pipeline and, and paying the police to remove protesters from their traditional territories. Um, and they're just trying to protect their land and water. And, and, and city goes around saying, you know, it's, Enbridge is a great company, and we need to be supporting companies like this in, in order to maintain energy security. Well, I'm sorry, you don't need to be main, maintaining energy security by uh, violating Indigenous rights. And the reason why some people are feeling insecure about energy right now is because there's been an underinvestment in renewables um, over the last two decades. And it's because banks like Citibank have been putting too much money into companies like Shell and Exxon and Gazprom. Um, who are the ones behind the war in Ukraine. It's all interconnected here. And we can't be complaining about, worried about the gas supplies in Germany. And uh, when when the reason why we're in this situation is because we've underinvested in these renewables. Nobody controls the sun. Sun in, The sun is a free resource. And you, you're not putting money into the coffers of a dictator when you are investing in solar panels. Um, so I think that's the direction that we need to see. We had a lot of hope a couple of years ago when Jane Fraser, the new CEO of Citibank, stepped in in March 2021. One of the first things she said, I think it was on day one, she said, climate change is going to be a focus for us as a bank. We're going to take this issue uh, responsibly and seriously. Unfortunately, two years later, um, what I think many of us are facing or are, fe are feeling right now is a lot of disappointment bank is very much heading in the wrong direction and we need to see a, a change and a revolution at the bank. But there are banks who are heading in the right direction, Richard, and it's predominantly European bank, banks, ING, Credit Suisse, Natus, Social Grenade, BNP, they are heading in the right direction. And that's, we're not by any means saying they are perfect, but there's a different ethos at play. They are at least committed to protecting 80% of the Amazon by 2025, which Citibank just have no compulsion to follow at all. It, can we make that model work in the US? I think we can make that model work um, everywhere in the world. Um, it, it, it very much shows those banks taking their first steps to uh, say, we're not going to be financing uh, oil production, new oil production in the Amazon, uh, show that it can be done. You can still be a profitable bank while also taking steps to protect the climate and the environment and respect indigenous rights. 
Um, they're the largest bank in, in Denmark, Danske Bank, um, a couple months ago, um, basically put out uh, a new climate policy saying that they would no longer be funding uh, oil and gas production uh, anywhere in the world, uh, at the either at the corporate level or at the project level. And that's a big step, and that's a major bank. Um, and if they can do it, then there's no reason why any other bank, including Citibank, can't do it as well. Um, what we need our banks to do, who are ultimately here to serve the people to a certain degree. Oh, we, oh to, I, I'm going to say no to that, but go ahead, yeah. Richard. Well, you know, there's a lot of people who, who I think that this is, this is the, about the awareness raising that we, that we collectively need to do is we need to pull back the curtain and get people to understand what their bank is doing and get them to engage their bank, uh, to act on their behalf and not to act on behalf of these corporations. And if their bank is not going to act on their behalf, is it going to ever do the right thing? Then it's time to move their money elsewhere. And it's not, it's not always a simple process, especially if you've got a mortgage, if you've got multiple checking accounts and savings accounts. But this, these are things that people can do, that, that individuals can do, while at the same time pushing their governments to regulate these banks to do the right thing. At the we same. can also demand our governments do more, particularly in Ireland, in Dublin. We have a huge shadow bank system. It's, you know, I mean, we have this vast array of, we've talked about the success of the Irish miracle. We also now know, as I said, that we're actually giving money, taxpayers money to these banks. So effectively, we are now involved in this. So our hands aren't clean. So we can put political pressure as well as using the power of our wallets. So we have to talk to our, our, our ministers and our local TDs and say, why are you giving money to this organization that is strip lining the earth? And we need to have those conversations as well. I Dublin, and I, I am picking on Dublin. It's my it's my hometown. And I'm picking on it. It is absolutely awash with this type of capital. And I keep hearing people saying that this week, our Taoiseach, our, our our Prime Minister Richard, for for your terminology, said that this system that we have in terms of these corporate corporate taxes is the is the the goose that laid the golden egg. Now. You may say, you know, okay, it's great when we have these headline numbers, but that money's coming from somewhere else. So, you know, we, we are filtering profits from different organizations across the globe, and it can just as quickly move to Delaware in the morning if it chooses to, if, if, if we fall out of favor. So we have to have more sustainability within our system on top of that. If I was to ask you, though, I suppose here's the, here's the, the, the sort of wide-eyed um, optimist. Do you think that... The public are ready to start, you know, uh, leading on this because we've seen that more often. The public are well ahead of the the politicians, particularly when it comes to these aspects. If they're better informed, are they going to? Are people actually making those moves themselves? They are. They are making those moves, and you know, I do. I do have hope um, around this because there is increasing awareness of what the banks are doing and the role that they're playing. Um, you know, Citibank uh, earlier this week had their annual shareholder meeting. They decided to hold it virtually again, um, I think because they're fearful of having to face community leaders and advocates um, and, and, and look them down eye to eye. Um, despite that, uh, more than 200 activists and community leaders camped outside the global headquarters of Citibank in New York City um, with a rowdy protest to raise awareness of what this bank is doing. And it grabbed headlines, um, which increases awareness even more. Um, I think it, it damages the reputation of the bank. And the, and the bank 
banks on their reputation, um, the goodwill of their name. And the more that we see this type of kind of uprising and people, um, you know, talking about the banks and the role that they have to play and exercising the influence they have as customers or community leaders or shareholders, the more uh, that we're going to see the banks begin to react more um, and do more than just talk up a good game, but actually begin to change their policies and begin to change the way that they're doing their financing. It doesn't, again, um, uh, ignore the fact that we need to be pressuring our governments to do the right thing, especially in Ireland. Ireland was the first country in the world to divest from fossil fuels. So this is something that, you, that Ireland has done at the national level already and say, and draw a line in the sand and say, we are getting out of fossil fuels. Um, but we, you can't at the same time. We, we didn't knock, did knock back on our coal fuel power plant. But <laughs> well, I mean, uh, on the, on the investment, I know, I know, I know, on the I investment know. side. So this is, you know, then this is where we need to see alignment across the board. So if you're going to get your investments, your investment fund out of fossil fuels, that's that's a great, important step. It's important to be the first country, stick out your neck and take that big step and, and send a signal to the world. It's also then important to take these other steps, which are transform your energy system and get it off of coal, get it off of gas and get it into 100% renewables, and then take on the, fi the financial sector. Don't allow these banks who are banking in Ireland to continue to financing the thing that you got your investment fund out of. It doesn't make any sense. It's time to align all of these policies across the board. Richard, that makes perfect sense. Absolutely perfect sense. And thank you very much for coming on and having this discussion with us. Again, another call to action. We need people to to vote with their pockets, really and truly. That's what we need people to do. Richard, that was a brilliant explanation. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Um, folks, if I could ask you, do check out Stand.Earth. They, they do lots of work, but it's all about that on-the-ground activism, which is what we talk, We always say. I know it's a bit... It comes Let's across, try it at this stage. We yeah, just keep saying it. We keep saying it. It's not just a podcast. It's activism. It genuinely it is. We do a lot on, on, on trying to get you guys to get engaged because you, do, let's, you don't need to be a keyboard warrior. You can actually be much more and much... And it's it's not that difficult. Martin, you had great success with an FOI the other day yeah. where people... Where you led... Where you led the church so we, you can get involved armchair activism it's not difficult you know it's uh, really not difficult. listen if, if if a guy who's waiting on on uh, on, on a surgery looking like he's uh what <laughs> like yeah. uh, he's got he's got moments left for, if he can do it you can do it <laughs> yeah exactly listen. exactly thanks for listening thanks for the support we will be back in your feeds we're um richard you might be interested in this we're going to talk to um the el, el pais uh colombian uh well Latin America correspondent shortly as well to talk about what's been happening there. Some of it around what Petro has done and we might touch on, on Lula and the changes that they're making. A lot of it was to do with how they're going to change things environmentally so we will have a focus on that in that conversation. You'll have that as well. Uh, we'll talk to you all very, very soon, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin Martin and Tony Speaking to interesting people only It's the Subscribe now on Patreon.